1: Tonight Don Huckabee, Tennessee Congressman David Gustoff. Jokes and Doodles with Earl Music. Fighting for Religious Freedoms with Joe Kennedy and Country Duo TG Shepherd and Kelly Lang. That's Dre Corley of the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith filmery And now, here's..
2: Welcome, everybody, and Merry Christmas to all. I hope you're enjoying these uh, delightful Christmas decorations on our stage as much as we are just getting to work in this uh, beautiful environment. 21 Christmas trees, even the cameras are lit up. I mean, it's just spectacular here, and I hope your house is. In fact, we like this so much, we're thinking about going to Arkansas and leaving the decorations up all year long. I think that would be beautiful. I'm from Arkansas. I can say that, you know, a lot of people leave their decorations up all year long. They don't have to take them down, put them back up. I think we'll do that. What do you think? Sure. OK, Time. <laughs> love the enthusiasm, Trey. Really appreciate that. All right. Well, just when you thought that Ivy League university presidents were incapable of demonstrating any common sense or decency or moral character, the presidents of Harvard, Penn and MIT went before Congress and pretty much said, hold my bud light and watch this. (laughs) Congresswoman Elise Stefanik of New York repeatedly asked each of them if having their students publicly advocate for the genocide of Jews was harassment and whether or not it violated their university rules should have been an easy answer. They all should have emphatically declared that Yes, of course it's harassment to publicly call for the murder of Jews and it not only violates the rules of our university, but it violates the basic rules of civilized people. Except none of those university presidents said such a thing. They instead mumbled through carefully worded and prepared responses that said it depended on the context well, here's some context for you, highly educated, but obviously not so brilliant scholars. When you are so morally bankrupt that you can't simply say that a call for killing Jews is a repulsive act of anti Semitic hate and beyond the bounds of free speech and even sanity, then you should, in fact, resign and sell hot dogs on street corners from a little cart. And I want to make it clear, that is in no way disrespect for the people selling hot dogs on the street from a little cart. <laughs> Here is just a sample of these pathetic professor presidents trying to defend mass murder, as long as it's targeting a Jew.
3: At
4: MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment? Yes or no?
0: If targeted at
4: individuals not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does not constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I, I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. At Harvard... Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no?
2: It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? Targeted as an individual. Targeted as, at an individual. It's targeted at basically? Jewish students, Jewish individuals. I mean, that's insane. These are supposed to be the smartest people in our country, and they act like the dumbest people in our country. I'd rather have Jethro Bodine running Harvard than this lady. Unbelievable. Bill Ackman, who is a billionaire hedge fund executive who has given millions of dollars to Harvard but says he won't anymore, he called on all three of them to resign in disgrace and urged big dollar donors like himself to turn off the money spigots once and for all. I hope they do. Not since the rise of the Nazis in the 1930s have academicians so blatantly sided with evil. Now keep in mind, these are the same type of university presidents who have not allowed conservatives, pro-life advocates, or evangelical Christians to speak on campus. And they've even labeled them homophobes, transphobes, misogynists, and climate deniers. But They got no problem with allowing people on their campus to ignore the massacre of innocent babies, elderly people, and entire families. They've led the so-called Me Too movement. They've even demanded that a woman should be believed if she alleges sexual assault, even if the incident happened 40 years earlier and there are no witnesses. When that all was going on, careers were ended and even members of Congress were forced to resign due to alleged but yet unproved accusations. These same university leaders created safe spaces You know, safe spaces for the students who were triggered, sometimes by anything from a Halloween costume to the mere mention of the Bible. And these students had to be escorted to a safe space where they were treated with puppies, Play-Doh, and popsicles. College students. No one threatened them with murder. They were just frightened by the sight of a conservative, a Bible, or a pro-life banner. College students have parents who are paying north of $70,000 a year to supposedly get an education, but who instead they're paying for their weird and wussy darlings to get an indoctrination into the finer art of Marxism, self-centeredness, and godless socialism. Now, if if, if these folks are the future leaders of America, then folks, we are surely toast without butter or jelly. No parent should entrust their money or more importantly their offspring to a school whose leader refuses to boldly speak out against anti-Semitic calls for the murder of a minority who comprise 0.2% of the world's population and yet who have disproportionately suffered the most from hate crimes and now get threatened with genocide. What was done systematically to Jews in the 1930s is looking all too familiar with what's happening now. And the lead up to the Holocaust, most of the world's population thought that talk of annihilating Jews was just over the top political hyperbole. I mean, it seems so preposterous that the highly educated elites in both Europe and the United States dismissed it. Not possible. But 11 million murders later, with six million of the victims being Jews, the world decided never again. There was a profound sense of guilt and regret that the threat to Jews, the infirm, the elderly, and those who spoke up in support of Jews was not taken seriously until it was too late. We cannot sit by silently and let this evil ever happen again. And if university presidents are just too (laughs) plain dumb, or cowardly to lead the battle to protect all human beings, but including the Jews from genocide, then we at least need to send our children and our money to institutions who haven't lost their minds and their decency. Well, we're glad to be with you and a very happy Hanukkah to all our Jewish friends out there as well. Right now, Keith Bilberry, why don't you tell our audience what we've got in store for the show tonight? Well, I'd love
1: to. Sure thing, Governor. Coming up next, Congressman David Gustaf fights against anti-Semitism in Washington. And later, it's Christmas in Mexico with T.G. Shepard and Kelly Lang. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow Huckabee on X.
2: And welcome back. My first guest this evening is one of only two Jewish members of the Republican caucus in the House of Representatives. And he's introduced a resolution condemning the recent rise of anti-Semitism that's in the wake of the October 7th attacks on Israel. Sadly, many Democrats in the House couldn't vote for a simple resolution that condemns hatred toward Jewish people. But Representative Kustoff isn't stopping there. He's also introduced a bill that removes the tax exemption status of any nonprofit organization that financially supports terror. And that bill has thankfully passed the Ways and Means Committee. Good news, at least. Representing Tennessee's 8th Congressional District, I want you to welcome back to the show one of our very favorites, Representative David Kustoff. Congressman,
0: good to have you back. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You know,
2: as a member of Congress, but also as one of the the few Jewish members of the Republican caucus, and, and quite frankly, one of the few Jewish members of Congress, period, this has to be an unsettling time when you see people out marching in the streets supporting Hamas and uh, and, and what happened
0: on October the 7th? I, I can't even imagine it. Governor, you think about how the world has changed in, in 60, that more than 60 days. Uh, people went to bed on October the 7th and woke up in a completely different state of mind and, and, and fear on October the 7th as, uh, as the Middle East started to unravel. And I thought, and I, I, a lot of my cohorts do, that we've got to send a strong signal. Our government, our nation, that we've got to be there to support our greatest ally in the Middle East, and that's Israel. We've got to be there for Israel and stand with a strong voice. You know, you mentioned that recently I had sponsored, along with Max Miller, who's the other Jewish House Republican, a strong resolution absolutely condemning anti-Semitism, showing our support for Israel. Good news, bad news. Good news is, out of 435 members, 311 voted yes. Mm. Now, the bad news is 14 voted no. Mm. And Governor 92 voted present. And in my opinion, if you vote present, you're voting no. But we wanted to send that signal not only to the nation, but to the world and those in Israel and those in the Middle East that the U.S. will not abandon our greatest ally in the Middle East, and that's Israel.
2: And I'm glad that you guys did that. And I want to be fair because there were Obviously, a lot of Democrats who voted with you in the resolution. And there are a lot of Democrats who have been very outspoken against the anti-Semitism that we see. And even it's caused a rift in the Democrat caucus. You've got the people out there on the loony left like Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. uh, Some of the members of the so-called squads are saying crazy things. I mean, insane things.
0: There are a number of Democrats, a large number who feel strongly, who are fully supportive of Israel, but you do have some of those that you mentioned that uh, that are completely on the other side. Uh, chant from the river to the sea, as we know that chant. Mm-hmm. By the way, this resolution uh, condemned that phrase as as well. But we've got to send the we've got to send the message out that we won't abandon we won't abandon Israel. A few months ago, I'm on the on the board of the National Holocaust Museum, and I took a group through the Holocaust Museum. Obviously, before October the 7th, and the Holocaust Museum. A lot of people here and those who are watching the show have been to the museum. A number of lessons. Number one, that we can't forget what happened uh, in in Nazi Germany and to Jews around the world. But the museum also serves as a as a reminder. That this can never happen again. Yeah, and I bring that up because you have people, you have Jewish members in this country, who heard the stories of the Holocaust from survivors, maybe in their parents, grandparents, great grandparents. They never thought that they would see something like this in their lifetime, but they are. They are. And, and October the seventh is the deadliest day for Jews uh, around the world since the Holocaust. And
2: we just can't be ambivalent about that. I, I wanna also get to the point that Congress is in a real state of, of flux. I mean, it's the best way to say it. You've had a uprising with the speaker. Now Kevin McCarthy is gonna step down to the end of the year. The margin with George Santos being escorted out the door is now down to basically one member. I mean, it, it's it's kind of crunch time. If Republicans don't stay together and they start splitting, the Democrats could show up one day and take a vote and remove the speaker and elect their own guide. Do, do the Republican members who have been out there thinking they're all independent contractors, do they understand that?
0: You know, that's a great question. Now, I I think that some look like uh, they look at Joe Manchin. They want to be a Joe Manchin in the in the in the house like he was 2 years ago. Back to the matter is before Kevin McCarthy was was removed Wrongly, yeah. as the Speaker of the House. We had a thin margin. We were working together in unison. We, we have done a lot of good things. We passed a, a very tough border bill, HR2, which uh, would secure the, the southern border. We recalled the money for the 80,000 IRS agents. We worked hard, and we were working on, uh, on promoting and passing good conservative principles. But you're right. That margin is going to be really, really thin, for the next few months until these other special elections. We've got to work together. We've got a really good man now as our Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. He's conservative. He's smart. He's thoughtful. uh, But he is the Speaker. And as Republicans, we've we've got to work with him. We've got to follow his lead. You know, we're the firewall. The Republican House is the firewall. You've got Joe Biden in the White House, I guess, Uh, you've got got (laughs) Democrats controlling the the Senate. We're stopping the crazy stuff from happening. And so we've all got to be there. We've got to stay firm to our conservative ideals and our principles. And I think a lot of people need to understand that with only a slim majority
2: in the House and not having the Senate and not having the White House, there is a limit on what Republicans in the House can do. You can stop some things. You probably cannot get a lot of things passed because they'll either die in the Senate or get vetoed at the White House, so it's it's more of a defensive position that you're in until the next cycle of elections, and then hopefully we have a little more uh, a little more to work with.
0: Well, we also have oversight, and that's awfully important as we talk about what's going on at the border and the way that that the Biden administration, Secretary Mayorkas, is not enforcing the existing laws and the policies to keep out the unlawfuls, the the millions of people who have come into this country unlawfully, we've got that oversight power over all the Biden branches of government and we'll continue to exercise that through the next election.
2: Speaking of oversight, uh, there's going to be a real challenge with uh, whether or not there will be a process to get further into what the Biden family has done, the millions of dollars that they've gotten from the Chinese Communist and other uh, government. I mean, I think some people need to separate. There's a difference between an impeachment inquiry, which is very important and necessary, but not taking a vote on it, knowing that it would die in the Senate within 30 seconds of arrival. Do the House members, are they committed to getting to the truth and following it wherever it will lead, good
0: or bad? Uh, Governor, I think the conservative members, the moderate members, the in-between members, uh, they support an impeachment inquiry. And yeah. so we should see that vote soon. And that, to your point, that's the step that we've got to take before anything else happens. Well,
2: I hope that it will continue to uh, be a source of of intensity. And maybe at some point, even some Democrats will start saying, hey, we can't defend this. Congressman, I'm glad you're there. You're one of those folks that uh, went there for the right reasons and you've stayed true to your purpose. That makes you a rare jewel in Washington, and I... Thank you so much for the service you've rendered, not just to the people of Tennessee, but to all of America. Great to have you here again.
0: Governor, you're an inspiration to me and so many in in Congress,
2: so we thank you very much. Well, delighted to see you, and I'm sure we're going to have you back. Representative Kustoff is active on social media, so you can keep up with him and the great work he's doing in Washington. We have all the links to uh, his efforts and to his websites at our website, Huckabee.tv. Go there. We'll connect you to the congressman. Keith Bilbrey, I bet there's some more coming up to the show. I know we're not finished, so what else we got? Well,
1: when we come back, get ready to laugh with comedian Earl Music. And later, Dr. Gary Brandenburg is looking for a few good men and women to volunteer on Mercy Ship's next voyage. Could it be you?
2: Well, it's Christmas time again, and all over America, towns are celebrating the holiday in grand fashion. But there's one town down in Alabama that has taken it to a whole new level. Keith, tell us where we're going to go today.
1: We're heading down south of the Basin-Dixon line to Coleman, Alabama, where the holiday season transforms this town into a festive winter wonderland. Our visit begins with the nighttime Christmas and the Coleman Parade, a spectacular event that awakens the streets with a lively celebration of joy and holiday spirit. Colorful floats, marching bands, and beautifully adorned vehicles fill this magical procession. And, of course, the big guy himself, Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. Now... After the parade, you'll want to make your way to the spectacular 40-foot-tall tree lighting production. This is a tree lighting event second to none, featuring snow, a mesmerizing light show, and fireworks. An unforgettable experience you won't want to miss. And this year's special musical guest is American Idol winner Taylor Hicks. Embark on a unique Christmas journey at the Coleman Chris Kendall Mart where German tradition meets Southern charm in downtown Coleman's iconic Depot Park. This enchanting event boasts 50 uh, authentic German-style wooden huts, housing over 40 vendors, offering artisan crafts, unique gifts, and delectable German cuisine. Young visitors can also enjoy train rides and antique carousel rides while meeting Santa. Mrs. Claus, and other beloved characters. Glide across the ice rink under twinkling lights and savor delicious food options catering to all palates, ensuring a delightful experience for all who visit. Don't miss the grand opening ceremony, featuring the lighting of the tallest Christmas pyramid in North America. The market's meticulously curated decorations, festive music, and enticing aromas will transport you to the heart of Germany. And be sure to warm up with some delicious hot chocolate. Be amazed by the streetscape, Christmas lighting in downtown Coleman. Coleman invites you to embrace the magic of the season, creating cherished memories with family and friends. So pack a bag and visit this winter wonderland extravaganza, a journey filled with festive delights, charming experience, and the true spirit of the holiday season. That's why Coleman, Alabama is our kind of town. Merry Christmas.
2: Keith, that's that's impressive. I mean, I was just watching that thinking, I'd like to go to Coleman, Alabama Let's during go. the Christmas season. I mean, snow and ice skating in Alabama, who would have thought that, huh? I, yeah. A Christmas miracle it is. That's what that is. But what a spectacular event they're putting on in Cullman, Alabama. It's going on through December the 23rd, so there's still time to see it for yourself. We want to say a special thanks to the city of Cullman, the Cullman Chris Kendall, team, uh, Chris Kendall Market team, and Brian Kirk for their help. If you'd like some more information about this uh, extraordinary experience, go to the Cullman. ChrisKendallMarket.com. It's on your screen so you will know how to spell it right. That'll be fun. Well, my next guest had a rather unusual career path. He worked 33 years for the U.S. Post Office. Then he built a side career as a cartoonist, speaker, writer, and clean comedian. His cartoon clients include the Post Office, but also Disney, the National Enquirer, the FBI, and many more. You may have seen his cartoons in newspapers and magazines, or on greeting cards, even on the Today Show. Here to illustrate two of his many talents, would you welcome the very funny Earl Music.
4: Hello, my name is Earl Music and I'm a cartoonist. My cartoons have been all over the world, but tonight was probably the first time you ever heard Earl Music, isn't it? but I bet you all know my dad, pop music. No, 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 (laughs) no. I married a beautiful girl from Columbus, Ohio. Her name was Debbie Sheets, which makes her Debbie Sheet music. I begged her, if we had a little girl, we'll name her Christmas, so she'd be, yeah, Christmas music. We have two boys, rock and country. And I'm very close to the boys. Right from the start, I was in the delivery room. I cut the cords. You know, once you cut the tags off those things, you can't take them back. My wife, she's really close to the boys too, but she did the discipline when they were little. She would tell them stuff that would scare me. Do you guys know if you do number two in your undies, you could go to jail? She would tell them stuff like that. I once had the stomach flu and thought I'd get life. She's trying to teach me things too, like how to put on cologne. Gentlemen, how do we do it? That's wrong. You got to do this. (laughs) She bought me cologne for Christmas, Calvin Klein Christmas cologne. I wear it all the time. No one ever says anything. The other day, I spilled hot chocolate on my shirt. All day long, girls are coming up to me saying, what is that incredible smell? So now when I take a shower, I don't use soap. I use a Reese's peanut butter cup, Hershey's syrup on my head. I want to have fun. I want to have fun right to the end, even to my funeral. I'm a Christian. I'm going to be in heaven, not for any deed I did, but for what the Lord did for me. It's going to be a celebration of life. I want to party at my funeral. No crying. Now my wife will probably cry, but the teller to check will be here in a couple weeks. Okay. <laughs> Outside the funeral home, I want a sign that says "Now Showing" with a picture of me. <laughs> On this side, I want a sign that says "Coming Attractions" with a mirror. Yeah, we're all going. I want a party atmosphere inside. I want pizzas and chip and dip. Careful where they put the dip in case she cremates me. I want everybody to hold hands and sing this song The Day Earl Music Die. We were singing, Bye, Bye, Short, Fat, Bald Little Guy. Through cartoons, told his jokes till the day that he died. A good old boy, well, at least he tried. Singing, this will be the day that Earl dies. Everybody, this will be the day that Earl dies. You guys sound good. That's awesome. You sounded so good. I'd like to draw a little quick cartoon. Guys, can you help me out here? I started this drawing. Governor, would you mind joining me? I started this drawing at home, and I thought... Why draw it at home in my pajamas? Why don't I do it live in front of you? Yeah. Trey, a world's best audience, and a couple million, three million people watching? Yeah. Yeah, there's no pressure. (laughs) None at all. So if you hold still, sir. Okay. I'm going to, I cheated a little bit, but I'm going to draw this. If you were just a little model, let's see. uh, Just stand here? Just stand still, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned it, but... I have been an artist for the FBI for like 30 years.
2: Oh.
4: It's nice to draw a nice guy. Thank Good you. Guy.
2: <laughs> we'll see if we can find one of the audience and bring see. it up yeah. here.
4: You make the perfect
2: model. Oh. Uh, Never been told that before, that's
6: <laughs> for
4: sure. I, just your goodness comes out. I've drawn cartoons for Disney and I've drawn for the FBI somewhere in the middle, like Scooby-Doo, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. (laughs) But ladies and gentlemen, does this guy not give you the heart of Santa Claus? Oh,
6: look at that.
2: Man, it's amazing. Excellent heart. Earl, thank you. Thank you, sir. You know, and you got the beard in there. I told people... That I'm growing the beard because under Bidenomics, I'm probably going to have to take a second job as a department store Santa, and I want to get a good start on that. Oh,
4: that's
3: awesome.
2: There you go. I want to be on your...
4: (laughs) What I want for Christmas is to come back on your show and draw for
2: the people again. I love it. We want to make you do that. (laughs) Thank you, Hey, big thanks to Earl Music for this great drawing. And if you want to follow him on live, if you want to book him for your event or have him draw you, you can visit Huckabee.tv and follow the links to Earl Music. Now, Keith Bilbrey, Poor guy can't even draw flies. Hey! But he can tell us what's coming up next on the show, which he's going to do right now.
1: Well, coming up, Coach Joe Kennedy takes his fight all the way to the Supreme Court. Dr. Gary Brandenburg saves lives with the Ministry of Mercy Ships. And country music power couple T.G. Shepard and Kelly Lang perform. Don't go away. You're watching Huckabee!
2: Christmas is the season of giving, and we've been given the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful for the work that Samaritan's Purse is doing all over the world to share the gift of Christ everywhere. And I want to tell you, thank you. Thank you for supporting Samaritan's Purse so they can provide physical and spiritual gifts, not just at Christmas time, but all throughout the year. I hope you'll be a part of the giving by supporting Samaritan's Purse today. And you can give real simply. Go to their website, or call the number on your screen. I really hope you will. Thanks and God bless. Well, Joseph H. Kennedy was a high school coach. He made history when he simply took a knee to pray after a football game. Didn't seem like that big a thing, but little did he know that that simple act of faith would cost him his job, and it would set him on the path to winning a landmark religious freedom case before the U.S. Supreme Court. His inspiring story, is told in his new book, Average Joe, One Man's Faith and the Fight to Change a Nation. It's a real honor to welcome back to our show, Coach Joe Kennedy. Joe, great having (laughs) you back. Welcome. Your case was such a significant case because it, it established a judicial precedent for the whole country about the freedom of expression, but you paid a price for that. I mean, what, eight years of litigation? Eight years. Were you ever ready just to say, I quit, I can't, I just can't keep doing
3: this? Yeah, just about every day. If it wasn't for my wife and and God, it never would have happened. We really had to press in and just to get up every day and keep fighting.
2: And Coach, you know, one of the things that I found out about you, you served in the Marine Corps, and for a good bit of your life, you were an atheist, I mean, you're you're maybe the most unlikely guy who's going to take a religious liberty case all the way to the Supreme Court, a guy that was an atheist.
3: So how did that journey even come about? Well, it shows that God's got a really weird sense of humor, for sure. (laughs) But uh, my wife actually got me going to church and saved our marriage. And I I told God, uh, my life is yours. And he, I made a deal with him after watching facing the Giants, and that set me on the path. I just started praying just a simple prayer of thanking him after a football game. And I did that religiously for <laughs> eight years, and it wasn't until my eighth year where it became a problem. And, and I think people
2: need to remember that you didn't urge, invite, beg your players to come out and join you on the field after the game. You just went out and said the prayer, and some of them decided, I want to go pray with Coach. And, and that, was, okay. that was as simple as it was.
3: Yeah. If, if I told them or asked them to come out, it's just as bad as telling them that they couldn't come out. Yeah. So it's a free country. Absolutely, they could come out if they wanted to.
2: But there were some people who didn't like the fact that there were students praying, and they filed a lawsuit. And the school board where you had been coach, they fired you over that, which I'm, I'm sure was a shock. It's like, what am I being fired for?
3: Yeah. And, and to put a real good icing on that cake is my wife was a human resource director for the school district. (laughs) So you can imagine, uh, yeah, God's sense of humor is is boundless. So yeah, it, it, it was really tough. And it, it put us in quite a predicament, and, but it was absolutely worth fighting for, every single bit of it, because the, the Constitution actually means something to me, and we've been, been giving up way too much, just little by little by little. It's about time somebody stood up and said, no more.
2: You know, I'm grateful, too, for your courage, for this audience is. You had some great attorneys from uh, First Liberty, and they were very helpful in, in making it possible for you. Uh, providing legal counsel all the way to the Supreme Court. I think sometimes we underestimate that sometimes the battles for Christians today, not in the church, not even in the White House or Congress, it's in the courthouse. And that's where some of the big battles are going. You win the case at the Supreme Court, big deal, landmark case. You were ordered, or the, the court ordered the school district to reemploy you, but after a while you decided this isn't going to work. And so you left and and start of the new life, um, that must have also been a tough transition to make.
3: Yeah, that was a real tough one. Uh, I was there for my reinstatement letter, so I was actually handed (laughs) it. That was the awesome part of it. And then being there for fall camp. Did you say nanny nanny boo boo to this? I'm just, no, I'm sure you
2: didn't. I might've and that's why the Lord
3: didn't pick me to do this job. But I went to Paul Camp, I, and I was at the first game. And then after that, we started praying, what's next for us, God? And, yeah. and he finally let us go to take care of our in-laws, my, my father-in-law down in Florida.
2: Well, I, I think your story is one that people need to read. This book, Average Joe. By the way, the last time you were here, I told you, you got to put this in a book. You've got to tell your story, and you did. Yeah, this is all your fault. You're the first person ever to listen to me when I said something like this, and I'm so glad you did because it's a phenomenal book. Uh, Great Christmas gift, this would be, for anybody who's interested in, does it matter when you stand up for your faith and take a stand? You have proven that it does, and that's the beautiful story here that I hope people will read. If you want to keep up with Coach Joe Kennedy, if you want to book him as a speaker in your community or your church, be sure to get his inspiring new book, Average Joe. If you go to Huckabee.tv, we will connect you to how to get the book and how to get in touch with Coach Kennedy. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to use his above-average announcing talents to tell us what's coming up next.
1: Well, next, an inside look at the incredible work and ministry of mercy ships around the world. Then, some Christmas country music with D.G. Shepherd and Kelly Lang. That's all ahead on Huckabee. Just in time for Christmas, save 40% by spending $75 or more at our store. This sale ends December 12th, so go to Huckabee.tv and shop today.
2: I hope you are enjoying some of the wonderful Christmas music that we are here in the theater, all courtesy of the very best band in America. They can play any kind of genre, including phenomenal Christmas music, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Give them a really big hand. For those of us that live in America and we just sort of take for granted access to good health care, but you may not know that as many as 5 billion people lack access to needed medical care. And many people die of what would be treatable diseases. But about half the population lives near a coast. So ever since 1978, the ministry Mercy Ships has brought volunteer doctors, nurses, surgeons, physical therapists, chaplains, teachers, and state-of-the-art medical care and equipment to people in need, and they've done it all over the world. Here to tell us more, please welcome the International Spiritual Development Officer for Mercy Ships, Dr. Gary Brandenburg. Dr. Brandenburg, great to have you here. Thank you for having me. I want to just begin by saying I absolutely love what Mercy Ships is about. It's one of the, I think, most innovative but powerful outreaches for the gospel that I've ever seen and offering genuine, much-needed help for people who can't afford it, who can't access it. It's just an amazing ministry. How did you get involved?
5: Well, I, I was a pastor in East Texas, and our international support center is in East Texas. And so uh, I was captured by what they do, and I started following one of the ships that we had at that time uh, around and uh, working in different countries and training pastors while I was there. Uh, I'm a doctor, but my doctorate's in theology. <laughs> so I know nothing about medicine. Uh, in fact, when I got my doctorate, somebody asked my daughter when she was young, you know, what kind of doctor is your dad? And she said, well, I'm I'm not sure, but I think he's the kind that doesn't help people. <laughs> uh, Out of the mouth of babes. Out of the mouth of babes. Oh, my gosh. So I got involved back then, and and, uh, so now I'm actually uh, on staff.
2: You know, when I see the the pictures of the ships, and they're massive ships. They're huge. Uh, It's like a cruise ship, except it's not for people to go and just have a good time. It's for people to have life-saving and life-changing medical procedures. I've seen pictures. People line up by the thousands just to get to the mercy ship. It must be a phenomenal experience to see that.
5: Yeah, and that's that's one of the hardest parts about the job is is that several people, many yeah. people have to be turned away. Um, now, yeah.
2: I, I, w- I wanna talk about the fact that you depend a lot on volunteers, whether they're doctors or physical therapists. And so people who say, boy, that would be a fascinating thing as a mission opportunity, you need volunteers.
5: Oh yeah, now more than ever, because we, we have a brand new ship. It's our first purpose-built ship, uh, and it houses 600 people. Mm-hmm. And our smaller ship, which is a converted train ferry, uh, that houses about 400 people. And now with both of these ships in service, uh, we've almost doubled our need for volunteers. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm hoping people will take away from this. Uh, even if they can't go themselves, maybe they know someone who's a, a nurse or someone like that. But we need more than that. We need receptionists. We, we need food services people. We've got two academies, one on each ship, hmm. that does a great job with the children uh, of the crew. So there are a lot of opportunities. So teachers, cooks, uh, clerks, but you probably
2: need people who can work in a ship, maybe retired sailors sure, and deckhands, merchant marine guys. or
5: deckhands, engineers. Uh, people that can do that kind of work as well. How long do people need
2: to serve in order to say, I want to help on a mercy ship? How long is my commitment?
5: Well, if, if, if they have a, a, a specialty, if, if it's an OR nurse or an or a orthopedic surgeon, or you know, we'll be happy to have them for a couple weeks. Huh. Uh, but if it, it's someone wants to come and work in another capacity, we like them to be there for about three months as a minimum. And then some of our people come on the ship and and they live on the ship for two years.
2: You know, I've heard of people, there was a doctor, I think 60 Minutes uh, did a profile of him. He went, he was going to volunteer for a little bit, stayed 26 years. Yeah. I mean, you know, he he was totally amazed by it. He's actually
5: up to over 30 years now. Over 30 years now, wow. And he's a maxillofacial surgeon, Dr. Gary Parker, and he's always been a hero to me.
2: You know, somewhere out there across America, there are people who are saying, you know, rather than just take a trip for fun... Wouldn't it be great to give a few months yeah, to it, go and serve on one of these ships yeah. and change the lives of people and serve the Lord in doing it? Because it's not just a hospital ship; it's it's a ministry.
5: Yeah, and it's a community uh, for young people. Uh, if they want to take a gap year or something, come and serve. And you know, you'll you'll see a different country. You'll hmm. you'll be you'll see people that uh, don't have the privileges that we have. Uh, in this country, uh, we work with the poorest of the poor. You know,
2: you just hit on something. A person may be just getting out of nursing school or even medical right. school, and they're not sure what they want to do, where they want to go. Wouldn't it change their perspective uh, of health care yeah. to go and serve on a mercy yeah, ship for yeah. yeah. six months? You
5: know, one of our, our new ship is in Sierra Leone right now. And uh, the country of Sierra Leone, Sierra Leone has 8 million people. There are five surgeons in that country. In the whole country? In the whole country. My God. We're told we have a doctor shortage in the U.S. We have one doctor for every 333 people. Uh They have five surgeons for 8 million. And I think there are only three anesthesiologists. So we come alongside. We don't go anywhere where we're not invited. And then we're invited to come and we do a field service for about 10 months and just do as many surgeries as we can.
2: One of the most amazing ministries on planet Earth today is Mercy Ships. And I'm hoping uh, that if, if, as you listen to us talk, you'll do one of two things. Either honestly look into becoming a volunteer on one of the ships. And if you can't, it's just not possible, at least make a significant contribution and help somebody else go. And talk to others that you know who are nurses, doctors, who could make a difference on a Mercy Ship. I hope you'll keep the patients and the crew of this amazing organization in your prayers. And as I said, if you or someone in your life is ready for the experience of a lifetime, the folks at Mercy Ships are standing by. They're looking, medical professionals, teachers, cooks, IT administrators, maritime officers, and more. If you wanna learn more about the mission, operation, and the volunteer needs of Mercy Ships, we make it easy for you. Go to Huckabee.tv, we have links right there to connect you, and if you're not able to donate your time, you can make a tax-deductible contribution today. Right now, we've got a special performance coming up, and Keith Bilbrey is going to tell you all about it, and he's going to do it right now.
1: Well, you couldn't possibly have a blue, blue Christmas when T.G. Shepherd and Kelly Lang are around. They'll perform right after the break. Do not go away. Best-selling author Dick Morris discusses his new book on the
2: Bidens
1: and a Christmas performance from Grammy Award winner Victory.
2: Well, Christmas is a time for getting together with good friends, and there are no better friends of this show than tonight's musical guest. She's an award-winning singer, songwriter, author, three-time Star Search winner, who's worked with just about every star in Nashville, including me. Actually, she's worked with much bigger stars than that. Her husband is a country music legend. 21 number one hits. That's a big deal, folks. And every year, they release a Christmas single. This year, it's one called Christmas Without You. It's a joy to welcome back to the show Kelly Lang. And T.G. Shepard. Well, but hello. Welcome back, guys. Thanks good to be home. Thank you for coming wow. back with us. Happy holidays. Always a joy. Thank
1: you. Thank you.
2: Now, you guys have had this tradition. You put out a Christmas song every year, and it must mean something kind of special to you. What's What's the genesis of that? Well, you know, it, it's our favorite time of the year, first of all. It's that
5: year, the time of year where we can be a kid again. And uh, Kelly gets the credit card and doesn't get questioned. (laughs) Yes.
0: Uh, So, uh, but no, we
2: started putting out a Christmas single each year. Last year it was with the Oak Ridge Boys, White Mm, Christmas. Yeah. And then this year is Christmas Without You, the Kenny and Dolly remake. and
1: uh, In honor of Kenny. We miss yeah. him so much. And, of course, Dolly is having a stellar year,
6: obviously.
5: Wow. Isn't she <laughs> it ever. Yes, she but... is. Yeah, true rock star. No doubt about that.
1: But tonight we're going to do a song that he and I have written many years ago. And uh, it was the first of many songs that we have recorded in Christmas Flair, and we're getting ready to do a Christmas album, and hopefully
0: a Christmas tour for next year.
2: I think that's great. You know, yeah. you are beloved in the music industry, but also just by people who get to know you, because you're one of the most authentic and down-to-earth Aww. couples I think I've ever seen in the entertainment business. Well, you're you. very kind. So it's always an absolute joy to have you on the show, and uh, you know. As they say in show business, <coughs> without further ado, <laughs> let's make some music. Let's do it. Yeah, all, right. We're gonna to do that. all right, Keith Bilberry. while our guests get ready to sing, why don't you tell the viewers how they can find the new Christmas single, Christmas Without You.
1: Well, it's available on all streaming and download platforms or go to Huckabee.tv for links to all of their music websites and more. Now, performing Christmas in Mexico with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, Mike on bass. Here are T. G. Shepherd and Kelly Lang.
6: Hey, baby, what do you say this year on Christmas Day? we'll go where warm winds blow and go we'll FedEx all our gifts to our family and friends that fur coat I bought you you won't need to use Christmas, Christmas in Mexico up the ocean breeze on, on Christmas, Christmas night. night. Snow angels in sand on the beach, we'll build a big sand man. There's Christmas bells in our head. I'll turn the steel drums and stay christmas in Mexico